everyone, and welcome to Pops and Hisses, a music podcast where we talk to musicians you love, talk about concerts, and answer your burning music questions. I'm your host, Kevin Coffey, and in this episode, I'm talking to Art Alexakis from alt-rock band Everclear. So, just like you, I've listened to this band for a really long time. I play Everclear riffs on guitar. <laughs> They've been around for forever. They're such a great, fun band, and it was so great to talk to Art about Everclear's summer tour a new reissue of their album World of Noise, and just everything else that's going on with the band. It was really, really fun to dive into the band's history and hear Art's perspective about those early days, and he's just such a great guy to talk to. I had such a great time. Real quick, before we get into the interview with Art, I want to remind you, you can listen to the Pops and Hisses podcast and find music news reviews and interviews at popsandhisses.com, but right now it's time to talk to Art Alexakis from Everclear. Let's get into it. So, uh, I mean, it's the 30th anniversary of Everclear, which is, I mean, it's got to be wild for you to think about that as far as the time. <laughs> yeah, it is. I, I turned 60 in April, which is bizarre in its own right, right? Um, does, does, I still feel like a kid inside, not in my body, but you know, in my heart, my mind, my soul. I feel like a kid. And I think that's a good thing. And I get to play guitar for a living and sing my songs for a living. That's pretty awesome. Um, I, when, I was, when I was younger, 60-year-olds weren't doing that. 60-year-olds were getting ready to get unemployment, you know, or not unemployment, but, you know, um, uh, Social Security. Right. But, um, no, man, I, it's, it's a big year. We got the... Um, the tour going on. We got um, a new single coming out later in the year. We got the uh, re-release of uh, uh, remastered thirty-year uh, anniversary of World of Noise with some bonus tracks, and we got the t- and uh, we got um, uh, my friend Matt Pinfield did a um, a retrospective on Everclear, which was really cool, and that was a lot of fun to do. That's awesome. I want to ask you about all that stuff, but uh, starting with the tour though, you've been leading these kind of tours for a while where, you, you know, you take out, you know, a lot of bands from the nineties and two thousands, a lot of your friends and uh, speaking as a fan who's been, I've seen you guys on these shows before. They're a lot of fun. And I just wondered, are they, are they a good time for you? It's gotta be a lot of friends, a lot of bands that you like and have known for a really long time. So what's that like kind of being out on that uh, road show every year? It's like rock and roll summer camp, you know, for, for, for older guys. <laughs> uh, I was going to say sober guys, but we're not all sober. I am, but a lot of people aren't. But, um, no, it's a lot of fun, man. We, we all know each other. I think the bands like it because they're, they're you know, it's familiar music to them. Uh, there's a lot of hits on every tour. And um, it's just, um, dare I say it, it's fun. You know, rock and roll should be fun. You should have fun going out, touring with people. You should like the people that you see every day, you know, and uh, I do. And I enjoy it. And you're right. You're talking about the Summerland tours, which we've been doing over a 10 year period. I think we've done six of them, seven of them. Um, Yeah. So it's been it's been a lot of fun. And I'm I'm excited to do this tour this year. With fastball and the Nixons toured with fastball several times, but never toured with Nixons. We played radio shows back in the day, so I've known Zach for years. But um, yeah, 
we've we've always wanted to find a time to to tour. We're trying to get them on the tour last year, but just too many bands. So, so here they are. Yeah, it's a great lineup this summer. The Nixons will be really cool to see. I'm, I like those guys a lot. Dude, I'm glad. I saw them. Uh, I hadn't seen them in years, and I saw them a show at a show like two, three months ago in Oklahoma. And they were raging, dude. Just on, just on fire, uh, and just great songs. And the band sounds great. It's it's pretty awesome. I can't wait to see them every night. Them and fastball. Yeah, that's awesome. I wondered with, uh, I'm excited to about world of noise. The reissue, I was listening to it the other day. They got me a copy early, which was fun. Um, are you guys going to play any songs from that? I imagine normally you probably don't throw that, those tunes into the set that much, but I don't know. We used to, we do fire maple song a lot. We'll do, uh, every, uh, nervous and weird. Sometimes we're going to do that more. Now we're, we're going to do every night. We're going to do at least two or three songs. So probably fire maple, fire maple, fire maple, um, nervous and weird. And, uh, maybe loser makes good, like a version of loser makes good that gets really heavy. That'd be fun. Um, but maybe, uh, your genius hands, maybe something else, you know, and definitely I want to break out at least one of the bonus tracks. Um, that'd be fun. Right. So just speaking of that record and then it being the, you know, the 30th anniversary of the band. I just wanted, I was just curious what it was like, you know, back in 1992, your band had broken up. <laughs> that must've been a hard period. And I mean, to you, you're, the time you're speaking you, color, color finger. Yeah. Color finger. And you were 30. I mean, a lot of people you're, you've been in this band. It was going well, your band broke up, you're 30 years old. And little did you know at the time, you know, your biggest, your biggest musical accomplishments were ahead, all these hit records and stuff. But uh, what was it like then trying to f- kind of forge your way forward and figure that all out? It's kind of an ass kicking emotionally, you know, it's like, so you got to go a year back to uh, um, 91 and color finger was touring the West coast. And we played a show in Portland and I met a girl at a record store that we did an in-store at. And um we had a long distance relationship for a while. And then um, she moved to San Francisco. I was running my label, doing really good. Uh, Color Finger was touring. She got pregnant, which was cool. And then uh, two of my distributors went, I, I think, chapter, chapter seven. And so I didn't get anything. And they had like four or 5,000 records that, they had sold, but they hadn't paid me for. And at the time, you know, that's, yeah, that's close to, that's a little over 50 grand. That was everything, you know, for me, for a small label that was depending on that to live on. And um, it was rough. And that's when we decided to move to Portland because we had the baby coming and uh, she had her grandmother and uh, family up in Portland and she was from Portland and, my sister was living on the east side of Portland, my oldest sister. So we had a network up there mm. for a baby. And unless you got a lot of money then and I think now, raising a child in San Francisco is extremely expensive and hard. Um, so we moved to Portland and that was that and I 
tried to do the long distance things with color finger uh early part of 92 but didn't work and i just said okay i'm going to do one more band that's going to be it put ads out in the paper uh got the guys wasn't great <laughs> played through the summer had a hard time getting gigs because people in oregon at that time didn't like californians um, because Californians were coming up, buying up all the property and driving up all the rates. Not me. I was on welfare. <laughs> right. But, you know, they, they vilified me as well. And um, at the end of the year, like in the late fall, uh, I was digging a garden for my girlfriend's boss's friend, you know, for an extra hundred bucks on a Saturday. And there was these guys in the house next I could see through the backyard next over the fence. They were going in and out. All these hipster looking guys were going in and out of a basement. I'm like, that's a drug deal, dude. I know a drug deal. I'm only sober two years at this point. I know a drug deal when I see one. And um, I, uh, I, you know, I, I say to the guy when I see him, I go, what's going on, dude? He goes, hey, man, you're the band from that. You're the guy from that band I've seen at the tavern. I'm like, because we were, you know, gigging. He's like, yeah, I, I'm like, what do you got going on in the basement, man? He goes, oh, man, it's my studio. You want to see it? I go, well, yes, I do. So, of course, drop my shovel, <laughs> jump the fence, <laughs> go over there, take a look at it. And I'm like, it's quarter-inch eight-track. It's all Fostex. Nice, good mics. Everything was padded. Sounded good. I'm like, how much? He goes, 10 bucks an hour. And I go, would you take some uh, effects in trade? I have a, I have a, a quadroverb and a, did a lexicon digital delay. He goes, yeah, man. If they're working, I'll give you four hundred dollars and trade for those. I go, okay. So I went home and got them, brought them back, and uh, we started recording that day, that week. And we wow. recorded a week after work. Everybody had to work, right? So we record yeah. after work all week and mixed on the weekends and. Um, I to be I didn't tell the guys in the band, but to be honest with you, I really wanted to see what it, we sounded like on tape because we were having a hard time getting gigs, and it was just like, man, am I am I beating a dead horse here? <laughs> and, uh, so they didn't know that it was kind of make or break. I didn't tell them that. Yeah. Um, but uh, it came out. I wanted to see if there's something special, and there was. There was definitely something in it. It was squealing and loud and angry because I'm all pissed off because I got a baby. I love my baby, but I was I didn't want a baby. I wanted to be a rock and roller, man. And uh, but um, I was doing it, you know. And uh, that that record it just it's called World of Noise because there's so much feedback because I couldn't afford to buy new tubes for my my amp. Yeah. But uh, anyway, we got it done like. First week of January, sent it out to uh, the, the last day possible, sent it FedEx. I have no idea where I got the money from to do that, uh, to uh, South by Southwest. They called me back later that week and go, this is great. We want you on this showcase, with these bands. Um, and I got a, I, I've got a month, I've got like two months to figure it out, right, to, to, to tour down there and mm-hmm. um, we figured, I don't know how we figured it out. I must have borrowed the money from somebody. And um, we, I, before I left town, I sent a bunch of tapes out um, and bios and stuff like that 
to probably about 18, 20 of them to clubs and papers, not just in Portland, but all over the Northwest, even Spokane. And after we played the show, we're driving back. And my I call my girlfriend to check in. She's like, dude, you better get home now. I go, why? I'm afraid the baby's sick or something. She goes, because there are over 50 messages on your phone, on our phone machine. And you are being written up in every paper in town, including the Rocket, uh, the, the Oregonian, like the big, big papers. And um, everyone's just saying what a great record this is. It wasn't really a record. It was just all the songs we knew at the time. Yeah, yeah. That's what started it for us in Portland. And we started getting great gigs, opening for national bands and headlining and all over the, the Northwest and just building a following. And then the next year we got signed to Capitol. Yeah. And then, yeah, then the, the following records came after that. It's wild to think of that time because now these days you'd be getting phone calls on your cell or <laughs> getting emails or something like that. But to uh, head out TikTok, to Austin right? or, or yeah. YouTube or something. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you can, you can do it all for like, you can record a record on, on this phone. Right. You know, you know that sounds pretty good. It sounds better than what I, I did then, but I love the sound of it. And what's cool is that, you know, after all the success and everything, um, earlier this year, probably about four months ago, me and my bass, bass player and right-hand guy, Freddie Herrera, were going through storage and we found this box of tapes, this huge box of tapes. I'm like, I thought this was fucking gone, dude. Oh, I yeah. thought I lost this years ago. And I opened it up and it had the original forged eight-track quarter-inch masters and the and the two-track mixes, the original that I hadn't seen in years and years and years. And uh, I wanted to remaster it because Capital had mastered it in 94 when we put the record out, when they put the record out before Sparkle and Fade. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like the mastering. It was really high-endy, no low-end. So I think this sounds great. And we found the original tapes of a lot of the... Uh, other demos that became the bonus tracks, a couple that had never been released before. So right. I, being the 30th year, it, it seemed like it was meant to be. Yeah. It's so cool. And I wondered, I wonder what that was like to go back and uh, you know, I love that you found the original tapes. And so you're going back and remastering from the original tapes, which is great. Yeah. And I thought the bonus tracks were just so cool because yeah, like you said, nobody had really heard those and to have, that material kind of sitting around for 30 years that no one had really heard, except probably people who were seeing you at those shows at the time, because you were playing them live, but um, it must've been well, hardcore fans can find them online. Like on right. YouTube, someone's got a demo tape and they put it out there, but it sounds like crap, you know, to hear certain songs, but, um, and some of those songs were on like uh, EPs on Capitol that like in Japan and Europe and stuff like that. And there was a English release by fire records of, this thing called White Trash Hell that had a lot of those songs. But the song Drunk Again, which was on the original demo before Nervous and Weed, Weird was recorded. I recorded Nervous and Weird in 93, like April of 93. Um, I wrote and recorded that and replaced Drunk Again with Nervous and Weird. And Drunk Again now, listening to that, remastered, cranked up, sounds pretty cool. I kind of can't get it out of my head. Um, 
and uh, there we apparently we had remixed from the Capitol um, masters, which were digital masters. We had remixed a um, Nervous and Weird in 2001, which I barely remember. And it, I thought it sounded pretty good because it's got extra guitars, it's speeded up, vocals are louder, um, there's some percussion. And so it's uh, that's on there too that's never been heard. It's called the Nervous and Weird 2001 remix fancy <laughs> <laughs> well yeah it's uh i listened to it it sounds great the remasters of it are are awesome so yeah i had it cranked up in my headphones yesterday cool man and, and yeah it, it's it's really great i'm excited for people to hear it had, had you heard nervous and weird the, 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 um, the... probably years ago but i didn't remember very well you know, it's funny. I had a guy yesterday goes, you know, I remember when Nervous and Weird came out, man. I, I wrote a review that wasn't very good of it. And he goes, man, I got to tell you, I didn't even listen to it. <laughs> I go, no. really? He goes, yeah, yeah. I just figured you guys sounded like Nirvana and it was going to suck. And you were going to go away. I'm like, oh, okay. Thanks for nothing, asshole. I go, I go, how'd that work out? He goes, obviously better for you than it did for me. <laughs> and I'm like, that's cool. He goes, you probably don't want to do the interview now. I go, I don't give a shit. I don't care. Dude, you know, I I, I don't hold grudges like that. I, I got too much gratitude in my life. Plus, if you really want to get down to brass tacks, I guess I won, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Turned out all right for you. I didn't need your help anyway, yo. <laughs> no, but so no, but I just thought I thought it was really big of him to say that. Yeah. And there was there's a famous critic that uh, like when Sparkling Fig came out, um, you know, he panned it, panned it, just awful review. And then uh, when Afterglow came out, he goes, and this is a famous, famous writer, you know the name. Um, and he's like, you know, I obviously didn't give Sparkling Fig a chance because Afterglow is like one of my top 10 records of the year. And I went back and listened to Sparkle and Fade and it's a phenomenal record. I'm like, so, you know, but all those guys were like, oh, these are Nirvana clones. And I'm like, we listen to the music. We don't sound like Nirvana. We're, we're guitars and we're three guys from the Northwest. So yeah, in that sense, we sound like Nirvana, but not really not compared to some bands that were out in the nineties and you know, who they are. Um, I'm still doing what I do. I'm the one that's got those records on my wall. <laughs> you know, you see them right behind you. <laughs> I know. I love it. I need a shave, man. Anyway, sorry. I'm going I'm kind of nervous because after I do interviews today, I'm going to get the uh, second booster. Oh, for, okay. Uh, for COVID. And the first one was rough on me. Yeah. I think just because, you know, stuff's hard on me because of uh, the, uh, you know, mm-hmm. because, of, yeah, because of my MS problem. Yeah, well, I hope it goes well for you and you have a nice <laughs> relaxing weekend and you're not laid Thanks, up. Man. Yeah, I'm just going to lay in bed. My wife's going to take care of me. She already said she was, so that's cool. <laughs> there you go. 
Well, yeah, it's a, it's exciting year for you guys. Like we were talking about with the tour, the, the record, and I'm excited for the single too. Um, do you have a ETA on when we'll be able to hear that? The new single? Yeah. It's called the year of the year of the tiger. And, uh, probably I'm doing some vocals, the lead vocals on it this week, the background vocals on a couple of weeks. So, Probably mixed, mastered, ready to go. I'd say late August, early September. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to that for sure. Okay. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. It's kind of a political, um, melodic, kind kind of a heroin girl kind of feel. Yeah. With a little bit more power pop. Very cool. I'm excited for it. Thanks. Well, all right. I appreciate your time today, man. It's been really great talking to you. Um, excited to see you guys out on the road this summer. Thanks so much for listening to my talk with Art Alexakis from Everclear. I had such a good time talking to him. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Go head to their website, everclearmusic.com, to find the band's summer tour dates. They're all over the U.S. this summer. Plus, find out info about their reissue of World of Noise and you know all the other news and happenings going on with the band. I'm your host, Kevin Coffey, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram as at Omaha Music Guy, or find my page on Facebook by searching for my name. Keep an eye on that Instagram page, too, as I'm going to start doing some Instagram lives. you got a question, you want to talk music, join the conversation on Instagram. Also, I want to remind you, our next episode is going to be an Ask the Music Guy episode. You want to ask me a question, head to popsandhisses.com slash question. You can give me your name, your email, I swear I won't spam you. Uh, your Twitter, Instagram handle, and then ask me a question, and I will give you a shout-out on the show and answer it right here. Thank you once again to Herd at Media for producing the show, and you can find lots more of our podcasts at herdatmedia.com slash network. That's H-U-R-R-D-A-T media.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time. A Herd at Media production.